Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. St. Paul was writing to the church long ago, but God has a word for us here today as well. Listen. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to be further clothed with our heavenly dwelling. For surely when we have been clothed in it, we will not be found naked. For until we are in this tent, we groan under our burden, because we wish not to be unclothed, but to be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The one who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a down payment. So we're always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive due recompense for actions done in the body, whether good or evil. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's great to be back with you today and to see you all here today. Somebody mentioned that we have a strong attendance because the 49ers played last night. So, sorry to any Packers fans in the house. Um, it is great to be with you again after I, I've been away for a number of weeks. Um, the last time I was here was actually Christmas Eve. And uh, the week after that, I fell down with COVID and I was in bed just the whole week long. And then I've been away traveling these last two Sundays. So I'm really glad to be back with you today. I want to share with you today just a travelogue sermon. And that's something that I often do when I take trips like this to give you a, a sense of where I've been and what I've been seeing or learning or experiencing. Maybe to make connections with your life and our life of faith right here. So let's see how it goes. Um, I set out, and my, my purpose in going on this trip was a few things. A lot of you know that I love to connect with the global church, right? God's church in the whole wide world in different cultures and countries and places. Um, I have friends in other places who are pastors and leaders. I like to encourage them, to talk with them, to pray with them. That's how I was spending some of my time. I was also meeting with a lot of young people to find out what's going on in young people's life of faith. What are their challenges? What are they thinking about? Um, I also wanted to check on some of our, our PCLG mission initiatives. You know that we have connections in a lot of different places around the world doing good work. And I wanted to go see and hear a report and meet the people and then come back and tell you about it so you can know where are our mission funds going? What are we up to? What's God using us for in the world? So um, on my way to where I was going, I stopped by uh, Morocco and I spent some time in Morocco and uh, I was, that's where it is. Um, right there in North Africa, and it's my first time there, and so I went to a city called Marrakesh, and some of you have been to these places, so it's familiar to you. I was with my friend Steve, I'll show you here. Uh, this is the city of Marrakesh with the high Atlas Mountains behind it, and then my friend Steve, we were around exploring some mosques there locally, um, including this one, which is the largest mosque in the continent of Africa. So it's a very impressive building, uh, it's huge. We also saw there a Catholic cathedral, and this is um, during the colonial time. This was the cathedral there in, in um, Casablanca. And you've heard of Casablanca? That's in Morocco. 
And um, at the end of, uh, when independence came to Morocco, they decommissioned this church and it turned into a cultural center. And um, today, Christianity is allowed in, in uh, Morocco. There are churches there. Um, mostly they are churches for foreigners and expats, more so than native local Moroccan people. But it is a culture in Morocco that's very open, very friendly. I felt very safe. Some of you have traveled in these places. It's a really welcoming and interesting um, culture, um, but not a place where you meet a lot of Christian people. So uh, you meet a lot of Westerners maybe, but only as visitors there. So from Ghana, so that was sort of like vacation time. I was hanging around there. Then I went to Ghana, which is in West Africa. And there it is. You see the continent of Africa. There's West Africa. That's where Ghana is. And um, I flew there, and I, and I met with my friend Hilliard Dogby. And I'll show you a picture. He's the bishop of Western West Africa for his denomination, which is the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. And that's, that's Hilliard. He picked me up at the airport. I met him 21 years ago when we were students together at Princeton Seminary. So he's a longtime friend. Um, and I came on this overnight flight from Morocco all the way down, and I had to travel with my points. So I didn't have the best seat and all the rest. And so by the time I arrived, I was pretty wiped out. And he picked me up at the airport in the car, and he drove me to his house, and he fed me breakfast, and then he had prepared a guest room for me, and he said, why don't you take a nap for four or five hours? <laughs> I said, bless you. Um, it reminded me of Matthew 25, right? When did I see you on an overnight flight and not pick you up from the airport? When did I see you needing a nap and not give you a guest room? When did I see you hungry and not give you something to eat? And he said, when, and that's what he did. Um, there's a, a word I would use for, um, for Ghana and its people. The main first word would be hospitality. It is a hospitable place. The word for welcome in um, the, their language is akwaba, welcome. And people always say that to you everywhere you go. Akwaba, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, the kind of hospitality that, we, that I experienced there is just a reminder to me in all times and places when I encounter someone or meet someone here in our country who might be from another place or who's far from home or who seems a little lost or maybe isn't quite sure what they're doing, show them that welcome too. We've received from the Lord and so we give it to others as well. So from there, I flew to a city in sort of central Ghana called Kumasi. Kumasi is the second largest city after the capital of Accra in Ghana. And um, I lived in Kumasi for three months when I was in seminary. Um, as I did an international in, um, internship at a church in Kumasi. So um, my friend met me there. And that's, this is Joseph Achiompong. And some of you will remember Pastor Joseph. How many of you remember Pastor Joseph from Ghana? You guys met him? I see all these hands around here. Um, he stayed here at PCLG uh, with us in California for uh, a few weeks in 2018. He sends greetings to all of you, of course, and he gave me many African shirts to wear, so you'll see them. Um, as Pastor Erica shared with you last Sunday, I went with Joseph, Pastor Joseph, to where he works. He's the chaplain, the Protestant chaplain at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, a campus um, there that has about 80,000 students, 80,000. And he is the pastor for all the Protestant students. Um, they have 18 churches located on campus. And those are all under his direction. And once a month, they get together with all those students who might go to those churches, and they worship. Um, and I was with them last Sunday, worshiping outdoors under tents with 5,000 students who showed up, most of them freshmen. And they said, let's come and see. He said they can have as many as 10,000, and he was disappointed they didn't set out more chairs. 
His belief, like mine, is you have more chairs, more people will come. We walk by faith, but not by sight. We'll see. So the service started at 7 a.m. with 5,000 students in attendance, and we went until 10.30 a.m., three and a half hours. They have three choirs. They have a dance troupe, a drama troupe. They have ushers who danced around. It's an amazing thing. Joseph gave a 45-minute sermon. Uh, I gave greetings and a short message, but I didn't get into 45 minutes of preaching that day. Um, you know, Christianity in Ghana and in a lot, a lot of parts of Africa is booming. It is, a grow, is the growing edge of the church. Um, he, he did say that they often have gotten 10,000 students for these worship gatherings, and uh, it's a very spiritually and religiously open place. Everybody in, in Africa believes something. It is a religious place. Christians, Muslims, maybe traditional animist beliefs, very, very few people would say, I don't do any of that. It's very culturally unusual, different from where we live, right? Here, you all are pretty weird. <laughs> You're here in church on a Sunday, and all your neighbors are chilling at home. And it's a strange thing where our context is different from there. So I love to see the differences and to meet people there. Just what, are they, what is their life like? And then they ask a lot of questions about us here. They're praying for us. So I, after worship at that church, we went to another church to continue in their worship service. And so this is the, uh, the next congregation. Oh, there's, there's Joseph. Um, this is this Presbyterian church, which was Pastor Joseph's previous church. It was his first Sunday back since he left as their pastor. And um, they had about 40 people present. Maybe a more typical church, right? A small church, 40 people. Um, our congregation here supported them in a project to build bathroom facilities on their campus or on their building. So we sent them a small amount of money, $1,500, which they built two modern bathrooms. And I'll show you one more picture, I think. There it is. I took a full tour, I assure you. <laughs> they were very proud. They wanted us to take the group photo in front of the bathrooms, but I said, no, let's take it in front of the church. It's okay. Um, so the worship service there, the pastor told the congregation, or Joseph, through this interpretation, told them that we as a church had supported them to build these bathrooms. They didn't have bathrooms before that, and we sent them the funds. So they asked everybody last Sunday to pray for us. And they paused in their worship service, and everybody prayed for you. And it was like whispered prayers, murmurings, you know, sort of an undertone throughout the congregation. It sounded like breath or breathing, or spirit, something moving in the place as people there just prayed for us and thanked us and thanked God for us. A reminder always to me to be in prayer for people in other places whose lives are different from ours and hard in a lot of ways. They're, they're praying for us and to bless them as well. So after that service, it was a big Sunday, we went to meet with a group of students, and we went back to the, to the chaplain's office, and here are these students that I met with. Most of them are girls. All of them are people that our church sponsored with scholarships. They're university students. And Joseph wanted me to meet them and hear their stories. And it was incredible. I met with seven or eight of them there, um, and each of them told a story of how our help to them had really changed their lives or saved their lives or helped them in significant ways. A university education here in Ghana for one full academic year with food, lodging, School fees and incidentals is $1,500. And none of them could pay it. And they told how they were going to drop out, 
how they were being pressured, especially girls are especially vulnerable to people saying, I know some ways you could get that money. And they're being pressured. Mary Akio, one of our church members in the back here, she has said this, you educate a girl child and you educate the nation. So as a church, we have a commitment, especially in our educational scholarship ministries, to focus on girls and to give them an extra chance in this world. So the Bible passage that we met, that we read today, um, St. Paul is wrestling with this tension in his life. I'll come back to more pictures, don't worry. Um, he's wrestling with this tension in his life. He says, in this world, there's a lot of hurt, there's pain, there's loss, there's struggle. And he says, you know, and you don't have to live too long before you experience some of those things, right? We know the realities of, of life. And, um, and, he's, and he's wrestling with this tension where he says, I'd rather be in heaven, be with God, be out of this world of pain. You know, here in our own community, in the recent weeks, there's been a lot of pain that has unfolded. A lot of you are carrying that with you today. And Paul has this idea in the, in the Bible, and he says, look, we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who has called us by name and made a way for us to live with God forever. So maybe, he, maybe it's better, he says, if we just go home with God, you know, ditch this world, be done with it, and be home. He's calling the, the, our bodies our earthly tents. That's the, that's the metaphor he uses, an earthly tent. Anyone who's been with a chronic health diagnosis or a hard um, issue in their life, or even if you feel a little achy and creaky when you wake up in the morning, you might know this is true. It's like an earthly tent. It's not, it's not always the best place to live. And he asks this question, would it be better if we fled from this world, if we got out of here and just go to God? Because meanwhile, we're groaning under the burdens that we have. One of the students in that picture, if you go back a couple, you'll see, um, let me see if we do, this one. Oh, not that one. That one. The first, the gal in the front here. She told me her story. And she said she was at that point where she couldn't pay her school fees. She didn't see any future for herself. She felt like she had let everybody down. And she didn't want to be here anymore in this world. And mental health is something that we in our culture talk more and more about these days. That's important. But it's still not a common topic in, um, in a lot of parts of Africa. So this girl, she said that she was at her end and she was ready to be done. And just at that moment where she had those feelings, she said, Pastor Joseph called her and said, a church in America has sent us a great gift and we will pay for your school fees in full. And you have a way to finish your schooling. You have a way to get into the future that God has for you. And there's hope. So she's now graduated. She's working as a midwife. And she had asked this question, wouldn't it be better to leave this world behind? Or should I hold on for hope? God met her in that tension point. Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight, which means that even when things do feel hopeless, when we have things that are hard, where things, life seems difficult or destructive, God is asking us to trust him deeply. In those moments is the time when we're asked even more so to trust God even more deeply, to know there's more than we can see. So I guess I'm talking to you today, maybe if you're here today, with some kind of struggle like that. It could be silent. 
It could be a secret. It could be known only to you or a small group in your own life. To know that God doesn't just help people around the world, far from here, somewhere else, but that God has a love for us right where we are here, close to you, here in Los Gatos or San Jose or wherever you're coming from today. Here's a statement of faith for you, a true statement of faith. God is not done with me yet. We turn to somebody next to you and just share that. Say, God is not done with me yet. Say, God is not done with me yet. Turn to somebody. God is not done with me yet. God is not done with you yet, you could tell them. And if God's not done with us yet, if God's not through with this what, a calling and life we have in this world, then we continue on, we press on, we persevere through these um, t hard times in our life. You know, our future's in God's hands. We don't know the future, but the Lord does. So our calling, our vocation as Christians is to faithfully live as God's people right where we are, right where you are today, with our families and loved ones, with the work that we have to do, with the challenges as they come, with the struggles we have, to face the living of our days with hope and faith and love. Because God's not done with us yet. So how can we live out this Christian vocation? What does it look like and what does it take? St. Paul uses in, his, in the scripture the image of a tent, right? He says this earthly tent. He's saying we live in earthly tents which are temporary dwellings. And one idea is let's just ditch it. Let's get out of here. Wouldn't it be better to live forever in heaven? But the idea with tents and camping out is even though it's temporary, even though it's not forever, it's the place that you are right now. It's a place where you need to be for this time, for this season. So just like when you're out camping in the woods with your family, you know that you're not going to live there forever. That's not forever out in a, in a geodome, in the tent, in, uh, in the woods, hopefully. But you can be present to it. You can enjoy it. It's fun to camp out. You're with your family or friends. That's a good time. There are hard things out there, but it's only for a little while. So as you consider your, your life today and into this new year, it's still the first month of a brand new year, I wonder what's God's calling for you looking like? What are you being asked to do this week? What are you working on that gives you meaning, joy, or challenge right now? It may not be forever, but it's your calling and your purpose these days. We want to be open and alert to the things that God brings before us as people of faith with eyes open to say, where is God in this circumstance or in this um, challenge I have? St. Paul um, speaks to this reality, this tension that each of us can live out in our own way. So part of the time that I was in Ghana, I'll tell you a couple more things, I was traveling with a friend of mine, he's one of my best friends named Dave Mayer, and some of you have met him before. And he was actually there on a business trip. He has a, a business trip where he recruits foreign nurses to come and work in the U.S. We have a nursing shortage, and his company helps them to come and find a place here. And so I went along with him to some of these events, and I met all these nurses, all these Ghanaian nurses. And it was so interesting to talk to these young nurses. I'll show you a couple pictures here. Um, well, that's, that's Accra, Ghana. That's a marketplace. That's where I was walking. So we were in these, these kind of meetings with all these folks. And um, let me see one more here. All the nurses. Okay, here you go. So I was meeting with these kind of young people talking about their lives. And one of the questions that people asked me in that setting often, not once or twice, but repeatedly, 
was about questions about Christianity and the Bible and the church and homosexuality. Now I got your attention. That was a big question they had. And they had big questions about how do you think about people who are gay as Christians. And Africa as a context is very different from the United States, very different from California, so it's hard to say how do you speak into a different cultural context. And so I shared with them from my own convictions, my own experience, my own thoughts. And I could tell in that moment that I could either step back from those conversations and not engage them, or I could step into it and say, God placed me here to speak to these people, to share from my perspective as a pastor, and to help them maybe get a sense of uh, different ways to think about these hard issues. So I talked to them about the radical love of God. I talked to them about seeking always to serve the least of these, the most vulnerable, anyone who's on the edge for any reason. That's where we put our care and our love. I talked to them about the way that a church um, is a place that people come close to God. So anyone coming in through the door is seeking something to get close to the love of God. And what if we're the place and the community where they can see that? talked about trusting God ultimately with somebody else's life. It's not up to us to deal with their life. God knows them and loves them. I told them about this church, about the way that we seek to love all people, to welcome broadly, to embrace our gay siblings with love. That's true. So my calling in the moment was to have a conversation with them, to be gentle but clear. That was just my experience, but I wonder for you, thinking about your life, your setting, the things you'll be doing this week, where are you going to have a conversation that might be hard? Or a place where you're uniquely placed by God to say, I have a perspective from my faith, from my life, from my experience. Maybe it's not the conversation you wanted to have, but it's the one that comes to you. I'll show you a couple more pictures. We went out one day for a day trip to Cape Coast, which is a castle on the, on the coast, of Ghana, and it's a slave castle. It's where slaves were captured or brought or bought to be sold. And these are the dungeons where they're kept for three months before being put on ships to Brazil, the Caribbean, and the United States of America. This is a major historic site in the history of the transatlantic slave trade. Slavery went on from this site and this place for 400 years. And on this tour, this day we were walking around, it caused us to have hard conversations and listen to hard stories. You know, sometimes things, issues of this world are bigger than we can solve or know totally about, but it's our experience. They had, they had cannons, that was cool. I took that picture for Theo. But sometimes we're set into conversations we didn't mean to have, we weren't looking for, but they came. Here they are. Issues about history and power and all the rest. And we're just living in these temporary tents in our lives. So my prayer for you, and I'll end with this, it's the end of my long travelogue sermon. My prayer for you is that you move out, as you move out from today into whatever it is that you have to deal with in your life, a whole variety of issues that God would give you wisdom and guidance to know when to engage, when to step in, when to have that conversation or, uh, on whatever topic, and maybe wisdom for know when to hold back, when to pause, when to pray, when to seek wisdom from others to help you. 
Each of us has the opportunity this week in our own way to live our life of faith, to live with Christ, to follow where he shows us. So I'm glad to be back with you because my calling is to be your pastor, to have these conversations of faith, to seek to grow up together as we follow God. So I'm back to tell you that I love you. I'm looking forward to walking with you, and we're going to see where God leads us. Church, say amen. 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 Thank you.